Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. and gifted at Hope Elam. We are. God is equipping us with everything we need for where he's taking us. And I'm so excited this morning that you're going to get a chance to hear the voice of Will Tunick, of Ryan Tunick. Amen? Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, listen, listen. Ryan's got a word. It's, it's, it's in him. Amen. And that word is going to come forth. If you just, listen, I know we're on the move with Mark and we're transitioning to Luke for Lent, but I want us to rejoice with Ryan this morning. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Amen. 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 So um, all throughout the scripture that was read, temptation is present. And we all have temptation in our lives. And, you know, it's true. We all have something that is drawing us away from the things of God. There's something that is a temptation. There's something that is a crave, an urge, something that we know. Uh, Hebrews 12 says that we ought to, first of all, we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. That it says we ought to lay aside the, the sin, the thing that does so easily beset us. And the New Living Translation say that trips us up, that we ought to recognize the thing that we struggle with, the temptation, the thing, and we ought to lay it aside. But it's real in our lives. There's some temptations, and sometimes, you know, temptations, I'll just say this, they come so that we can prove sometimes what we believe about our God. The temptation by itself is not the issue. The issue is what we do with it, the direction we go, the decision we make. The choices we make. Temptations are coming as a test, as a trial, the thing that we allow ourselves. And sometimes it's self-inflicted. We find ourselves lusting after the things of this world. Temptations. What, what, is, what is it? If you reflect and think about really what is it that's drawing you away? What is the thing, the temptation? And then the enemy wants to provoke us. Who wants to prod us and want to, want to solicit us to do the things that we know we ought not do. That that's what he does. He's a deceiver of the brethren. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But we know it. Sometimes we can see him coming. But because of that temporary satisfaction, because we desire to be whole and complete, we go ahead and we do that thing. And now the guilt, the shame, and all the stuff is there. Temptations. There's an adversary. Who can't stand us? Well, we have some good news. But first of all, listen, sometimes in life, we find ourselves dealing in our, with the wilderness. Jesus had just been baptized. And the Bible says that when he was baptized in, in uh, Luke 3, when he came up and said the heavens opened up and there was a Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then he heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my son who I dearly love and brings me great joy. Then the moment he was baptized, as we open up in Luke 4, the Bible says that he was led into the wilderness. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He had just been baptized in the first place. He didn't go to the temple. He wasn't led to the synagogue. He was led to the wilderness. The wilderness place of despair, a place of isolation, sometimes a place of desperation and depletion, a dry place. I'm just going to say, look, what wilderness are you in right now? 
one space in your life used to be saturated, and now it's dry. The wilderness, a place that you've been wandering, lost, much like this. A place that is full of danger, discomfort, the wilderness. Maybe you're here and maybe your situation that you've just been like weak and worn out, exhausted, doing the same things over and over again. You find yourself isolated, separated, falling for some of the same things, deceit and denial. All those things that's found you in a dry place. But I stop by to tell somebody, you might be in the wilderness. But I want you to know that you can still get a word in the wilderness. Amen? That no matter where you are, no matter how dry your life is, you can still get a word in the wilderness. And I wonder, Ryan, will you meet me in the wilderness? Are you tired? Depleted? Worn to the very end of your string? That you are so lost and wandering and feeling like there's no direction. Because the direction you thought you were headed to the promise has led you deeper into the wilderness. And so now you're here. Saying, God, where are you? And maybe even asking God why. What God wants to transform today is not the why, but he wants you to consider the what. What am I in the wilderness for? Because there's a word in the wilderness for us today. There's a word for every single one of us. That sometimes even in that wilderness, there's something that God provides. Even in the wilderness, there's something that God speaks. Even in the wilderness, God is giving us an opportunity for a test to strengthen us so that we're ready for the mission. And so being full of the Holy Spirit, some of us get confused that Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Why would he do that? Because he knew that Jesus needed to go through the wilderness to get to the promise of what he's called to. And so I stopped by here to tell somebody today that if you are waiting on the promise in the midst of the wilderness, to keep holding on. Because God's trying to teach you something in the midst of that wilderness. God's trying to teach you something in the midst of that pain. God's trying to teach you something when you feel like the enemy is right on your shoulder. You feel him breathing down your neck. God's got a word for you today. So I hope you come with expectation. That we're not leaving you in the wilderness. We're not leaving you in a dry place. We're not leaving you where the cuts and the bruises and the stings and the hurts are leaving you. Because you're not alone in the wilderness. So let's pray. Jesus. Oh, God. God, I hit your target today. God, whoever's in the wilderness with me today. Jesus, meet them where they're at and hit that target. Hit them with that word. God, let me get out of the way. God, let me just be a vessel. Let every word from my lips and every meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. So as the word goes forth, God, may I go back. May we hear from you today, God, in a way that we need. God, we're hungry. We're starving. We're thirsty. We're weak. But God, you promise that in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. And so God, we strive and press towards that perfection that we can rest in the strength of you. Just as Jesus did in the midst of the wilderness. So God, meet us where we are today. Speak to every single one of us personally the way that we need to hear. Right here, right now. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but 
the Spirit is resting upon. And for some of us, we've become so accustomed to not letting that Spirit in that we're about to put a roof over what the Spirit's trying to rain down on. Take off the roof. Take off the mask. Take down the walls. Let God speak to you, please. Because he's meeting you in your wilderness. So as Jesus is led by the Spirit in the wilderness, we see this. And the tangible is getting in the way. (laughs) But we trust Liz because Liz and production are amazing. Thank you guys so much. So this thing will not get in the way of what God has. Where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then. Then. Not the first day. Not the first week. Jesus became very hungry. Then the devil said to him. You know. Oh. There's another argument. Oh, there's the children giving them restlessness again. They're getting exhausted. I can see they're getting weaker. I can see they're getting more frustrated. I can see that they're getting in a place where they feel vulnerable, where instead of crying out to God, they're looking for an answer, and I'm about to try and give them one. In those moments, he's watching. The enemy is prowling, waiting to attack. It's like something hunting its prey, watching, just being like, oh, I see the the rhythms, excuse me, of your life. I see how you go about your day-to-day. I know where you're weakest. I've been watching you. 2 a.m., then the devil said, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. If, I'm not going to tell you that you are, but why don't you prove it to me? Whenever the devil and our enemy comes at us, he's always trying to make you prove the identity you already have. Jesus was affirmed and told in the word by his father, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So now the devil's coming to say, did he really say he was pleased? Did he really say you're the son of God or did you just kind of hear something while you were going under water and coming back up? Get a little bit more of that water out of your ear. Did he really say, Colette, that you're a daughter of the king? Chantice, did he really tell you to start praying every fourth Saturday? Well, then I need you to do something for me to prove it. What do I got to prove? God already told me. And so in this moment, a lot of us, when someone's like, what's up? Let's go. Like when someone's trying to make you prove something, you're like, what's up? Okay, let's go. Like, let me show you all these things. Let me show you why I'm proved to be who I am. Like, let's go. What does Jesus do? We're about to get there. But first, the tendencies of the tempter. Because here's the thing. Jesus was moving into his ministry, but first he had a new experience in the wilderness. And when God begins something new, Shantice, the enemy's coming. Oh, you want to start praying every fourth Saturday of the month? <laughs> I see you. All right, I'm coming. Oh, you want to merge two churches? You want to begin something new in Des Moines? Oh, I'm coming. You got a new home? But do you know the spirits that were in that home before you got it? I'm coming. Oh, you want to start a new family? You want to get in a new relationship? You want to get in a new small group? I'm coming. The tendencies of the tempter is whenever God's trying to start something new in your life, and maybe you're feeling it right now, you just got that new job, and you feel like everything's up against you. You just had a child. Everything's up against you. 
something new, the enemy is coming. But that's not the only tendency of the tempter. The enemy will always offer to satisfy a need eternally with a tangible temporarily. Did you notice? He told Jesus, tell, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Now I know I'm not the only one who's been to Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> See, I already know. You're already laughing. You are, you clapping, you're like, Jesus. Hey, how close is Texas Roadhouse? The closest one's on Southeast 14th, right? Like, <laughs> we <about> to, uh, <laughs> you know, you sit down, you're like, listen, I don't need to know your name. You don't need to know my drink. You're just going to have to bring some more of those buns real quick. Like, <laughs> already, just bring them through because this is going to be gone. I just, I love even the practical things of it, that he told him to make it a loaf of bread. Because what bread does is it temporarily fills us, right? You get those buns, you eat them, and then you're like, I can't even eat my meal. I can't even enjoy the meal. The thing that I actually came for, I can't enjoy because I temporarily filled myself with something. And it fills you. Now here, just, just on the real, praise God, because I got a two-for-one with that. But, but don't you... I think it's so interesting that after 40 days, Jesus being very hungry, the thing that he offered him was a temporary filling of bread instead of like protein. Nutrition. And it won't last. A tangible temporary. What Jesus needed was a meal. He needed something to continue to keep him going. He needed something within. But what the devil saw was his weakness in the tangible. So let me offer that to you. Oh, you need to be validated. You need to know that your identity is not based upon what you do or what you have to prove. You need to know that you are loved for who you are. The eternal need. Right? But what does the devil do? He's going to let someone slick slide in your DMs. He's like, man, I kind of like him what I see. What you want? And they, you let that tangible temporarily. Now, hear me say, God blesses us in relationships. I'm not trying to say that. But sometimes the enemy will use someone to come into our life temporarily to fill a need. To say, hey, this person's telling me all the stuff I need to, or I think I need to hear. They're giving us what we want. But God is trying to fill what we need. That's why so many of us, trust me. My history burned through relationships in high school because I didn't believe I was worth anything. Suicidal tendencies, thinking I had no worth, not because no one spoke love into me. I have an amazing family. My parents love me. My sisters love me. In fact, some of them are here today. I love y'all. Um, but I believed a temporary lie, a lie that I let take root. And so I search for it with an answer to a temporary solution instead of an eternal need. And so I burn through relationships. Because what happens when they stop giving you what you think you need? You're empty and you're in the wilderness again. When you base your relationship in the need eternally, where it's God is our foundation, God is our sustainer, God is who's bringing this together then you don't have to sustain one another. He sustains both of you. You don't have to maintain it. We'll get to that in a little bit. But these tendencies of the tempter, he's trying to get you in the tangible temporary. What is it? Was it promising you that job that had more money, but the culture environment is so toxic and abusive on the back end? What is it for you? What is he tangibly temporarily offering you. So we move on. So we move on. <laughs> See, God was like, man, you think you slick. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so what did Jesus say? Right? Because we're not just going to stay on what the enemy's tempting us with. We're not just going to stay on what the enemy's trying to ploy us with. We're going to lean and rest and stand on the word of God. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. 
What I love about every single response from Jesus is not only is it the word and not his own word, but it's also him speaking something deeper. This that he's quoting out of the scripture is Deuteronomy 8. You can fact check me if you got your Bible with you. Deuteronomy 8, he is hearkening back and reminding us that, hey, I see you trying to come at me that I've been in here for 40 days without food. I've been fasting. I'm very hungry. I'm trying to get provision. But guess what? My God, his track record is perfect. And so we do not live by bread alone because Deuteronomy 8 is reminding us how Jesus, God, saved and helped his people in the journey through the wilderness for 40 years. So you're telling me, if my God can sustain and supply for 40 years, I think he's going to get me for 40 days. If my God can supply and sustain for 40 years and for 40 days, I think he can supply and sustain me for 40 minutes. When I'm in the midst of temptation, God, I think you can sustain me for 40 seconds. Every single part, God's track record has proven that he's there and he sustains. So we do not live by the bread alone. The rest of that verse in 8, verse 3, rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We don't live on the tangible. We live for the need of the eternal. And that is the word of God. When we've got that, we recognize we got the access. We've got the access. Thank you, Liz. I appreciate you. You've got access. Jesus had access full of the Holy Spirit. He had access to the Spirit as he went into the wilderness. He had the access to the Father and the power to withstand. You've got this. It says in the Word, the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the grave lives in you. So you can't tell me. Not only does that same Spirit bring death to life, that same Spirit sustains from temptation to fulfillment. The access, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Not only does God promise you that he won't give you more than you can bear, he also promises you a way out. That not only can you withstand even in that moment, but he says, I'm so good, I'll give you a way out. You already know, you feel it. Like in that movie when everything slows down and you about to make that decision. You can feel the spirit and the enemy clashing. And you have an opportunity to turn around. He gives you access to the escape route. Come on, Colette. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. He gives you access to not only the stillness and peace of his presence, but to know his presence. You have access to that, that when you are tempted and in the wilderness, you are not alone. And you know that God is right there with you so you can be still. You don't have to actively go. You can be still. Some of us are trying so hard to validate ourselves by movement and by doing. When God just asked us, the reason why you're struggling is that you just need to be still. And hear my quiet, still voice. Philippians 4.19, he has everything you need. Everything you need. Matthew 21.22, if you would just ask, you have access. But how many of us just won't ask him? It's easier to give in than to ask. Because we know the ask doesn't mean immediate reward. But guess what? It means eternal reward. So when we shift our perspective from the temporary tangible and recognize we have the access to the eternal, we can rest in those pieces of access. And not only that, every single access is a promise. Every single one. The promise for all of us. For all these 40 years. This is the next verse after we live by the mouth of the Lord and the words of his. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. 40 years. You know why I bring this up too? Because God loves the needs that you need for the eternal, but he also loves to care for the tangibles temporarily too. And unlike your enemy, he's not having you and not asking you to pay something in return. He's not trying to exploit you. Come on. 
God promises it to you out of his love. For 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out. God cared about your clothes. (laughs) God cared about your feet, that he wouldn't let them blister or swell. You know how long they walked. You know how long you've been walking. And you feel like sometimes the enemy is trying to tell you, man, why wouldn't you just stop? Aren't you tired yet? I know you've been walking with the Lord for a while. Aren't you getting tired? Aren't you just, aren't you ready to just stop for a little bit? What if your feet swell? 40 years, not once. Let me call on his track record. Luke 12, later in this, and if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Every single day, something so temporary. That fades away. He cares that much more for you because you're eternal. The promise, you have access to that promise. It's not just yours, it's for everybody else too. And so as we go in this promise though, the enemy also tries to give us partial portions of that promise. Let's check it. The tendencies of the tempter. The enemy promises us things we already have been promised and given access to. So he's going to give you partial portions of that and say, well, if you just give me this, then I'll give you that. If you would just do this, then you'll get that. And Jesus is looking at this and saying, but I already have it. I already have access and I've already been promised this. Let me just let that person slide in your life real quick. I already have the love of God. That when that person does show up, we're on the same trajectory. I don't need you to supply a temporary thing for something I'm pursuing eternally. I don't need it. The validation you need and why you're so competitive and you get so mad when you lose, it's because you feel like you're worth nothing unless you win. And so the enemy will promise you some wins. Temporary wins. But then you're going to start losing. Then you're going to be like, what happened? I thought I was in the promise. Now I'm back in the wilderness. The devil can't sustain you. And on our own, we can't maintain it. The enemy promises us things we already have been promised and given access to. Let's check it. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. He's talking to Jesus, the one who created the kingdoms. The one who created the world. The one who sustains the world. And the devil's coming at him like, I could give this to you. And Jesus is like, I already got it. But what the devil's getting at is something temporarily so good. I'll give you control. You want that family? I'll give you control so that you can try and shape it and perfect it and make it this cookie cutter perfect image so then you can finally prove that even though you've never had that, that you're the one who made that happen. But then what happens when the kids are looking at you for all the answers and you don't have them? When you speak out of turn because you're so exhausted because everybody's taking from your tank. And you've got nothing left to give. And then you now have a core memory that you have put on your child that you promised you'd never do. Because you were so tied to the kingdom that I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one. And the curse continues. God wants to give you that. God knows your needs eternally and the ones that you desire temporarily. Well, will you let him sustain it instead of you trying to maintain it? Will you let him do that for you? Let's go on. What kingdom 
has the enemy promised you? Well, if God would just let me do this ministry, I can be in control and I can be the one to say how the spirit moves and I can be the one to say what we do and I can be the one to do all this. If I'm the one in control, then I can have my say. I get to be the one to call the shots. If I'm the one who gets the executive position, I can finally be the one in control to make other people feel like I've been feeling all these years. If he gives me the kingdom to be the one in control of what's happening in my family and everything else outside of it, then I can finally pay people back for how they've hurt me. If God would give me whatever it is, if the devil would give me whatever, whatever kingdom he's promised you, it's going to collapse. Because it's a lie. But I, he- I came here to tell you today, too, something you might have started as your own kingdom, God can turn it and make it his. Something you tried to do on your own and maintain on your own, instead of recognizing how it's built on that shifting sand and how it's sinking and you feel so desperate, you feel like everything's going to break and fall apart, maybe you just ask the person who knows how to build it on the best foundation. Solid rock on which I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. He can tank that kingdom and turn it around. So let's continue to go on. Because, like what I said, what we do on our own strength, we have to maintain. But what we allow God to give, he sustains. So often we feel like we're the ones who have to do it. We're the ones who have to make it happen. We're the ones by our culture that said, if you just get after it, if you just grind after it, if you just work so hard and you slave away at it, you will finally be free. We're just transferring chains. You've been trying to maintain your mental health on your own. You've been trying to maintain the relationships, your reputation at school. You've been trying to maintain how good you are at things. Have you asked God? God, I feel led to this. Will you help me? Because then the result is on his sustaining and not on your performance. It's on your Trust in him. Deuteronomy 8.17, same passage, reminding us of his sustaining. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Because how many of us want to be the one to say, I'm the one who made that happen. I'm the one who changed that. I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who did that. I'm the one who did it. Well, guess what? When you run out of answers, (laughs) you're not that guy. (laughs) Listen, you're not that person. Because you can't sustain it. I know you've been trying. It's why when you got that temporary fix and y'all connected and now something else is coming. So now you're trying to maintain something that in the beginning you did on your own strength instead of letting God give it to you. And now you're just like, what am I going to do? Speaking to the single parent. To the one who feels like they're a single parent. Don't look at them. God will sustain you. And I know you've been trying so hard to do it on your own. I know you think that if you just press a little bit more and you try a little bit harder and you do just a little bit more, then finally things will happen. But I know how exhausted you are. And so does God. Would you give it to him to sustain? So when those kids or when that spouse or when that person looks at you and says, what's the answer? I don't know, but he does. Because for some of us, 
We send our kids to activity after activity after activity after activity or people in our family. And we're like, we're just going to do all these things, but we won't spend 10 minutes to pray with them. Because we're trying to maintain it. But God is asking, will you let me sustain them even when you're not around to trust that I will protect and watch over them even when, I'm not, when you're not there? He sustains. That's a promise to you, that he sustains it. You don't got to do it on your own. So as we continue in the promise, we move into the receipt. Here's the thing. For some of us, We've been carrying around a receipt showing the enemy. Let me show you all the ways in which I've been doing good things so that I don't got to be with you anymore. Let me show you how much I've paid so that I can show you and try to validate to the enemy that I'm good. Let me justify all the things that have happened with this receipt and show you so then you can stop getting on my back. Look, I serve every Sunday. Look, I'm a part of that small group. Look, I come to church. Look, I'm in the worship team. Look, I'm doing all these things. Will you read the receipt? And then the enemy says, well, at 2 a.m. last night, your Snapchat had a message from you that said, you up? He got a receipt right back, Marlon. Friday night, 3 a.m. What you doing? What you on? Uh, I got a receipt here from five years ago that you got so drunk you did something that you regret and you still feel like you're paying interest on it right now. For some of us, we're holding receipts of what other people did to us. Some of you are holding a balance and you're collecting interest on something that someone did to you and you feel like you're the one who has to pay for it. You feel like you're the one who has to go through it. You feel like you're the one who has to constantly say, I've been paying it off. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to be a better person. And you always felt like it was your fault. It wasn't. That tally, that total on your receipt is not for you to pay. But what the devil does, what the enemy tries to do with the receipt is try to make you prove who you are with your own receipt. Says, come on, prove it. Show me what good things you've been doing. And yet, you still hold that 12-year receipt of that abuse you went through. And you're still holding on to it, and I know you are. The receipt. What do we do with the receipt? What do we do when we try to prove it on our own? Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Still from Deuteronomy. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. If you are, prove it. Prove something cool to me. That would be kind of cool. For the scriptures say, notice how the enemy's like, oh, okay, I see what tactics you're using. Let me throw back a little word to you too. Eve, did he really say for you not to eat from that tree? Did he really tell you not to do that? Or let me use some scripture. He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. That sounds great, so why don't you just do it? What do I have to prove to you? You know what I love about the scripture that the devil used, the enemy used? He uses scripture in a way that makes it sound good, but he doesn't give you the full promise. It's funny that he uses 11 and 12, but what about 10 and 13? 10th says, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Oh, another promise. Something I don't have to prove. And then he says in 13, 
funny how you left out the rest of this. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Huh. Huh. Devil, it's kind of funny you left that part out. I remember a promise in Genesis that he will be crushed beneath my feet. Huh. Huh. Why'd you leave that out? Here's the thing. The enemy wants us to try to prove ourselves in the jump. When God gave us the authority to stomp. Y'all been getting on Bonnie for stomping, but she's just living in her authority. Come on, God. Come on, God. You already know. Come on. You walking in your authority as everybody's like, why is she stomping so much? She's walking in authority. But some of y'all see the temporary tangible and don't recognize the eternal stomping authority in this place. See, that's what I love about Jesus, what I love about the word, what I love about the scriptures. Because here's the thing. Sometimes he's trying to prove us to jump, to do something wild when God said, I've placed solid ground beneath your feet. I'm a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. But what the devil's trying to tell you to do is like, well, you can't see it, but why don't you just jump way over there? No. I got authority right here to stomp. Now, I was raised in an eclectic music household, and I thank my mom and my dad that I was raised on some of that Kirk Franklin. The last service let me down. <laughs> the stomp, the fall stomp, nothing but the stomp. Come on! GP, are you with me? GP, are you with me? Hey, hey, stomp. All my people say, all my brothers say, all my sisters say, woohoo! Thank y'all. I was going to get on somebody because I was like, listen, <laughs> y'all don't know that. <laughs> we probably have to play that after too. Uh, just be, they're like, why are so many people just stomping down? Because <laughs> when you stomp, you're not like, let me stomp. And what people say, you're like, listen, I got weak ankles. Don't be getting on me. Like, authority to put some weight in it. Stomp. You know when you got a spider in the house, you're not trying to go like, what's up? Most of the time, you're probably like, woo! Somebody else get that. So Jesus comes in and he just said, boom, stomp. You've been given the authority to stomp. Stomp with it. Don't hurt your legs. Don't blame us if you break your ankle or something for stomping. <laughs> Walk in that authority to stomp. We will try to prove ourselves with our own receipts. Show the enemy Jesus' receipt. Stop trying to prove it on your own word. What's so beautiful through this whole passage is that Jesus is the one who always shares the word and not his own. Like, do you know who I am? Let me prove my track record. No, let me base everything I say to the enemy on the word. The whole entire time. And so when we show Jesus' receipt, we are reminded in Colossians 2.14, he canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. He took the record, the whole thing. He took all of it. And Jesus' receipt brings freedom. Jesus paid it all. I want you to see the receipt of Jesus.
Jesus paid it all. Not Deshaun. Not Marlon. Not Brian. Not Brooklyn. Not Alicia. Not Matoya. Not Sherry. Not Unc. Not even my bro Julian. Appreciate you, bro. Jesus paid it all. My sin has been paid. Past, present, future. This isn't a receipt that goes void after 90 days. Some of y'all think that your receipt is void because you and Jesus, you think that you can't claim that receipt because of if they only knew this, if they only knew that, if they only knew the shame that I was carrying from my sin, if they only knew the regret that I still had for the choices I've made in the life I'm living, if they only knew the past mistakes I'd made. If they only knew the unforgiveness that I still have on my tab and the tabs that I put on others. Some of us are carrying tabs of unforgiveness and bitterness towards other people and we put an interest on their receipt. And what they need to experience is that Jesus paid it all. But they're starting to see this little cruel down here that says, Ryan still doesn't forgive you. Five years. And yet, Jesus paid for it. Jesus took it. He paid all of it. Your hurt, your anger, the debt paid, the change left is zero. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For some of us, we need to finally claim our receipt. For some of us, we need to actually believe that it has been paid. That you don't have to keep paying for it, mom. That you don't have to keep paying for it, dad. Some of y'all are still trying to pay it because you're trying to prove your worth. You're still trying to prove that even after everything, I still don't feel enough. I still don't feel good enough. After the divorce, after the separation, after the anger, after the lies, after the bitterness, you still feel like you gotta pay. And Jesus says, I paid it all. One time. I don't have to keep paying it over and over because one time Jesus nailed it all to that cross. He took the charges against us, Colossians 2.14. And he paid our debt. So some of y'all need to take this receipt that you've been carrying however many years. God, I need to give you this receipt of bitterness I still have towards you. Because things didn't go the way I expected them or planned, and I still don't know the why. God, show me the what. And you need to come up here, and you need to have someone pray for you. And you need to have someone speak over you that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are set free, that Jesus paid it all. You don't have to trust in a crystal. You don't have to trust in a spirit. You can trust in the spirit of God. You don't have to rely on yourself anymore. Trust him. So if that's you, don't come up here with that shame and thinking like, well, I could never come up because I'm ashamed of what people would think if I get prayed for. Jesus set you free. Come running to the cross. Come running to his presence. Come running to him. If that's what you need, put it at the feet of the cross. Because you have access to the promise that God's got you. And you have a receipt to show for it. Amen. Amen.
Here's the thing on the next screen. Here's the thing. We know that scriptures say we must not test the Lord. But watch. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, the Bible says that he left until the next opportune time. He's coming back. Even with your receipt, he's coming. So for us, just remember, you got access. You're not by yourself. You got the promise of everything that God has promised us. And we got the receipt. And because of that, I'm just thinking, man, listen. Every test belongs to God. Come on. Every word belongs to God. Every trial is due unto him. Every promise is his to give. Every worship. Every worship is his. Every horizon is his. Every praise. 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 It's done to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Stand up for worship. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Church, did you like the word? Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.